I'm off track. So um, one one thing I did miss at announcement time that I would like to uh, to put out there is um, some of y'all were here a couple weeks ago, and we had Bruce Paulus come and talk about his Kenya mission. Um, if you would like to give that to that, and you haven't had the opportunity to, you are still welcome to do that. If you want to write a check, you can just put Bruce in the memo. Okay, if you just put Bruce in the memo and drop it in the offering plate on your way out, we'll make sure that that gets allocated to the right place. So. Um, I did want to mention that. So I'm excited again because I get to preach again. And I've gotten a lot of flack because I've preached once in the last month. So I'm excited that I get to preach this morning. That's so good. It happens to be Mother's Day. So we're going to talk about Mother's Day. Um, now, over the next over the next several weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be diving in and looking at, uh, at at the vision of Christian Fellowship Church. Where are we going? What is our purpose? Why do we exist? What are we pulling towards? So we're going to start looking at at the vision that we have for this church. I know the vision that I have for this church and where I would like to see us move. And not only that, then we're going to look at specifically how we get there. What are the basic things, basic doctrines, basic practices that we as Christians need to be doing to fulfill our task here? What, 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 do, we, what do we need to be doing? So we're going to be looking at that at the next, for the next several months. Um, next several months. Next several weeks. I shouldn't say several months. It might be a couple months. Now you all are thinking, man, we're going to be on this forever. Woo! Yes, we will. Um, it's going to be fun, though. So be here, and I hope that you want to be a part of that. So... Uh, originally, whenever I was mapping out what I was going to preach, um, I, I didn't have anything written down for Mother's Day. Um, I had considered preaching a, a special Mother's Day sermon, and I thought, no, maybe we'll just keep on rolling. We'll honor our mothers. We certainly want to do that. Um, but maybe we'll just keep on rolling. And then as I was outlining where we were going to be over the next couple of months, um, I, I realized, you know, a Mother's Day sermon fits really well at the front end of that. So let's do it. But before we do, I think we need to honor our mothers. So um, I'm going to ask everyone in this room who is a mother to stand. If you are a mother, please stand. All right, yeah. All right, all right. Now everyone who's sitting, look at those ladies who are standing right now. Aren't they pretty? Like, all right, yeah. We've got some good-looking mothers in this room. And not only that, they're awesome mothers. So let's give them a real round of applause. All right. I've probably embarrassed you enough. You can sit if you would like. Um, But we do have flowers, and we have gifts for y'all. So please, don't leave without getting a flower and a gift. I thought about making my kids come up and pass them out, and then I thought... We got a lot of mothers here. Uh, yeah, I don't want to miss somebody. So, anyway, we are going to be talking about mothers because it works entirely too well with my schedule. And uh, even more than that, um, I, I, I had the best mom in the world growing up. Like, uh, y'all might disagree with me, but you're just wrong. I had the best mom in the world growing up. My mom is awesome. So, I, 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 of course, I want to recognize moms. And the reason I said that in the past tense, because she's still my mom, is because now she is one of the best moms in the world, because my wife is also in the room, and she is one of the best moms in the world. So, uh, why in the world would I not want to talk about moms on Mother's Day? Like, man, it's great. Um, so, and just so you know, I would have said that if she wasn't in the room. 
Um, it's not just brownie points or anything. So, um, but I have, I have to make a confession, and this may be kind of just pointing out the obvious. I cannot perfectly relate to mothers. I can't. I have never been a mother, and I never will be a mother. Is that surprising to y'all? I didn't figure. Um, so if I'm just making a confession, I don't know how to best honor mothers because I, I, don't, I don't exactly know how to relate to the mothers in the room. I just don't. So what I'm going to do is instead of directly addressing mothers on Mother's Day, I'm going to do you a favor, and instead I'm going to address your children. How's that sound? Okay, so we're going to address children primarily today. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. If you don't know where it is, it's in right between Galatians and Philippians, um, back part of the Bible. So um, use your table of contents if you need to. But we're going to be in, in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to cover the first three, three verses this morning. And I really wanted to make a joke about my gift to you as mothers was going to be a short sermon today. And then I started writing my notes and it got longer and longer. So... Um, um, I can't make that promise. But I, I wanted to address children. But this will have, have very clear ramifications for, for mothers and for fathers and for anyone who has a mother. So this will be universally applicable, but we're going to specifically address children. So mothers, hopefully, will get them in line. So let's stand together. It's only three verses, so we won't have to stand too long. But we're going to read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may have a long life in the land. Thank God for his word. You may be seated. Short and sweet. Oh, it's good. So, since we are diving in on the back portion of this book, I'm going to do my best to give you a 30-second overview of what the, what the letter of Ephesians talks about. Okay? It's going to be more than 30 seconds, but I'm going to do my best. All right. So this, this book that we call Ephesians is actually a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in this real place called Ephesus. Okay, a lot of times I know I read stuff in the Bible and I think, yeah, okay, so Ephesians, he was writing this to somebody. No, this was a real person writing a real letter to real people in a real place in a real time. Like, these were actually people who were struggling with real things. These were first century Christians who were striving to follow, follow after Jesus in this real place called Ephesus. So he's writing these letters to them. And if you go through most of the New Testament, as, as Paul is writing these letters, they are, that's what they are. They're letters intended to meet a specific purpose in a different area. So, as you start reading through the New Testament, you learn, like, okay, Paul's writing a whole bunch of these letters and sending them to specific people. And in a lot of his letters, he addresses specific problems. Very clear, targeted problems that are taking place in these churches. But that's not what Ephesians is. See, Ephesians doesn't address a particular problem. As you start reading through the, the letter of Ephesians, you'd find that there's not one issue that Paul is really diving in to address. Instead, it seems to be more overarching. It seems to cover um, big picture things. Essentially, what he writes about is how we imitate Christ in love. That's my, my best summary of the book of Ephesians. 
how we imitate Christ in love. How are we being light in the darkness of the world? Um, He talks about how to make the most of your time here on earth. So how are we imitating Christ in love? See, but about halfway through, about halfway through this letter, there's a shift. See, early on in the letter, Paul is talking about these, these big philosophical issues. And speaking primarily philosophically. So he's addressing things like we just talked about, like light and darkness. He's talking about, well, imitate Christ in love, which has practical applications, but he's speaking philosophically. But then about halfway through, we see this shift to a more practical application. And he starts dialing in specifically on how are we supposed to be light in darkness? How are we supposed to imitate Christ's love in the world? So he starts talking about being part of the body. Like being a part of the body. Hey, I'm glad you all are here today and you're a part of the body. So he talks about being around other believers. Then he talks about being on guard against deceivers. Because there's going to be false teachings that come into the church. And the church is to watch out for these false teachings. He talks about about issues like idolatry and sexual impurity and drunkenness. And then he dials in and he talks about human relationships. He talks about how a husband and a wife should interact. He talks about how they come together and they should coexist together as image bearers of God. So he talks about them. He talks about how parents should respond to their children and how children should raise, or how parents should raise their children, which is what we're going to talk about today, Lord willing. And then he talks about how servants are to um, interact with their masters. So he talks about these very practical pieces of application. How do we actually live as light in a dark and fallen world? And he spells it out. He says, this is what it looks like. Here's how it is. So what we're doing here is we're actually jumping in right here in the middle of this very practical teaching from Paul on what it means to live the Christian life. Like, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does that look like in our everyday? Well, we're going to talk about just a very small piece of that today. Just three verses of that. That's what we're going to dial in on and see. And as we do, I want us to see these commands that he gives. Very two, he gives two very clear commands for children and their parents. For children and their parents. Okay, now, again, he directly addresses children. But think about who this letter is being written to. He's not writing this letter and handing it to a child and saying, Okay, you need to read this and figure it out. No, he wrote this letter to the church, all of them. This word is intended to go to all of the church. So it has applications for you whether you are a hundred years old or you're one year old. This has application for you. How do we do this? And that's what I want, that's what I'm going to try to show you today. Two commands for children and their parents. And fathers, I'm not going to let you off the hook today, but we're going to directly address you here in a couple months. So I'm going to be primarily focused on mothers this morning. Um, so we're going to do our best. Two commands for children and their parents. The first we see is very clear. God commands obedience with limitations to lead to righteousness. Now, that's a mouthful, so I'm going to say it again. I'll say it slow. God commands obedience with limitations to lead to righteousness. And we'll break that down, and hopefully we'll make this clear. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents. It's a command. Okay? Children, you, children, obey your parents. 
Obey your parents. But what does it mean to obey? You all know what it means to obey. It doesn't take a PhD to figure out what the word obey means, right? Another way to say it is, is render submissive acceptance. To render submissive acceptance. Literally, this word in the Greek here, where it's, where it's translated obey, it comes from two Greek words. It comes from hupo and akuo. You guys don't know what that means, so I could lie to you, but I won't. Um, hupo means to place under. Like, to put under. And akuo, it, means, it has to do with what's spoken. Okay? So, in other words, what he's saying is place yourself under what is spoken. Children, submit yourself to what's being spoken by your parents. Essentially, what it means is do what you're told. How many of you as parents have ever told your kids, just do what you're told? I have. I don't know how many times. And this is, this is not a mind-blowing revelation to most of you. Like, yeah, children, obey your parents. Okay. We know that that's the way it should work. But there is a strong foundation. It's commanded over and over and over in God's Word. If you go to the wisdom literature, uh, you go back to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. It says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and don't reject your mother's teaching. In other words, listen to your parents. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, sounds a lot like 1.8. It says, My son, keep your father's command and don't reject your mother's teaching. Again and again, this theme comes up. As a matter of fact, if you go to one of the most famous Mother's Day passages, what's the most famous Mother's Day passage ever? Proverbs 31. Yeah, Proverbs 31. If you go there, and that's actually the one we looked at last Mother's Day, um, it's essentially what this whole, this whole chapter is. It's a mother, it's actually a son, saying, here's what my mom taught me. This is something my mom taught me. And that's what the whole thing is about. In verse 1 of Proverbs 31, it says, The words of King Lemuel, a pronouncement that his mother taught him. Huh. A mother's teaching is incredibly important. Children, obey your parents. Over and over and over again in the Bible. Children, obey your parents. My point is that there is a tremendous amount of wisdom in listening to what your mom says. A tremendous amount of wisdom in that. It sounds so simple, but so many of us miss it. Like, listen to your mom. (laughs) I don't know how many times I've told my kids that. Like, are you hearing what your mom said? Like, do what your mom said. As followers of Jesus, though, we don't just blindly follow every earthly authority that we have, do we? No, that would be reckless and irresponsible. You don't just blindly follow. You think things through. Which actually brings us to the next clause in this. It says, children, obey your your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. And essentially, what this is, is when we're stuck between choosing, do I do what God said, or do I choose to do what my parents say, well, you side with God, right? Right? That should be pretty easy. Now, parents in the room, I'm not encouraging your children to be disobedient. Uh, Just the opposite. I'm going to challenge you to be obedient to God, and then your parent and your children will be obedient to you. Um, But we'll get to that in just a minute. But when we're stuck between doing what our parents say and choosing to do what God says, sorry, parents, but you get pushed to the back burner because God is the ultimate authority. Right? This is the same principle that's at play in Acts chapter 4, verse 19. Um, chapter 4, verse 19. It's a very different context because there it has to do with governing authorities, but it's still an earthly authority. And it says, um, as Peter and John, they've been told to stop preaching by an earthly authority that they should be submitting themselves to, um, but they respond by saying, 
whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide. In other words, if we got to choose between obeying our heavenly authority and obeying our earthly authority, we're going to obey God. We have a higher authority that we need to follow, that we need to obey. So what does that look like practically? Well, essentially, if you're obeying God and your parents command you to disobey God, you obey God and disobey your parents. I mean, think about this. Um, If a parent of one of our teens tells their teen, I need you to steal something. I mean, what, what's that teen supposed to do? Well, they better not be stealing things because then they're disobeying God, right? Okay, well, that seems like a pretty, pretty crazy scenario, right? I mean, most of you parents, how many of you parents in this room have told your teens to steal something? Please don't raise your hands because I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> most of you haven't done that, okay? At least I, I hope and I pray you have not done that. But let's maybe set up another one, and this may be a bit of an emotional one, but um, I actually believe this happens in times and places. Um, Let's just say that your teenager, again, since we already have that scenario, let's say that your teenage girl makes a mistake. She makes a mistake, and she has relations with a teenage boy, and this leads to a baby. Um, And the parents say, well, you don't want this to ruin your life. You need to take care of this problem. What is that teen supposed to do? Are they to obey their parents in terminating life, or are they to obey God and hold to the sanctity of life? God's the authority. God is the authority, the ultimate authority. My point is this. We are commanded, as children, to obey our parents in the Lord. Now, assuming that parenting, Christian parenting is being done right, now let's just assume Christian parenting is being done well, then the parent's primary goal is for you to know Christ. That's the primary goal in parenting, is to raise up godly offspring. That's, that's my job, is to raise my children up to know and follow Jesus. That's my primary goal. I want my children to be smart. I want them to do all of these other things. I want them to experience a good life. But first and foremost, I want my children to know Jesus. That's the goal. Like, if my children come to know Jesus, I have succeeded as a parent. Like, that's the goal. So, if I am parenting right, then what I am doing is I'm submitting myself to God's authority, and then I am channeling God's authority to my children. And in other words, if my parents are obeying me, then they are obeying the Lord. That's the goal. That's the way parenting should be done. God's authority over your children has been, has been given to you as parents to raise up these children. Now, I'm not saying that you are God to these kids. I'm saying that you are the earthly authority to these kids. That's the point. So, parents, we need to do a good job of making sure that we are in the Lord so that we can parent our children the way it should be. So, why do we obey our parents in the Lord? Why does that happen? Well, he says, Paul actually writes, Obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. His reasoning is incredibly simple. Obey your parents in the Lord because it's the right thing to do. It's right. It says right here. Virtually every culture, every culture in any time, any place around the globe knows this truth. That parent or children should obey their parents. Virtually every culture, right? This is, again, not mind-blowing. Uh, John Calvin actually wrote, and he said that there is a natural equity in obeying your parents. It's naturally beneficial, and kids know that to some degree. 
they know that it's good to obey their parents. And there doesn't need to be much more reason to obey your parents than simply because it's the right thing to do. Sometimes, believe it or not, because I said so, it's good enough. Obey your parents and the Lord because this is right. But there's something deeper to this obedience that we, we need to understand. Again, this isn't solely for the benefit of children to obey their parents. This is also on how we need to respond as parents towards our children. This has ramifications for that. Okay, so this is why we're talking about this on Mother's Day. It's not just because I want to tell your kids, you know what, you need to obey your parents, be better kids, come on. No, there's something bigger about this that we need to understand. Okay, the reason I wanted to talk about this was first to give your moms, I wanted to give you a reason to be like, okay, kids, you need to obey. Did you not hear what Jared said up there whenever he was preaching? Obey your parents. Come on, step up. Um, So yeah, you can do that, but you can try it. It usually doesn't work. Um, Second reason I wanted to talk about this is because children need to be taught to obey. They need to be taught to obey. Um, (laughs) Did you know that kids will naturally disobey? They don't have to be taught to disobey. Right? Y'all got kids. You know children don't need to be taught how to disobey. They know how to do that already. Um, You know, I'll tell them myself. Okay. What is the worst thing? Worst thing. If you are going to be leaving for an hour, let's say you've got a gift or something hidden in a closet. What is the worst thing you could possibly do as you are leaving? Is say, kids, do not look in that closet. What are they going to do? They're going to look in the closet. They don't need to be taught how to disobey. A personal example. I was, um, let's see, I was probably about 18 years old. 18 years old, and uh, uh, okay, I was still living in my parents' house. I was still in high school. My parents were very much still the authority in my life, and I, I needed to submit myself to their authority. Um, and I remember I was dating this pretty redhead girl. Um, most of y'all have met Stephanie. We were dating at the time. Um, <laughs> um, it went well for me, but um, we were dating then, and we had been dating for about a year at that time. And I, I was like, okay, so what are we going to do? We've been dating for almost a year. Uh, what are we going to do? And she said, well, I want to go down to Kansas City. Can we go down and like have, have dinner on the plaza or something? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? So I was telling Dad, I was like, yeah, well, I think we're going to go to Kansas City th- this weekend, and we're going to get, we're gonna go down and get dinner down, down in the plaza. And he says, uh, Jared, I think that's a bad idea. He says, Jared, you're 18 years old. You haven't ever driven down there. I think that's a bad idea. I don't think you should do that. What do you think I did? Uh-huh. Do I do what dad wants me to do, what he's made it pretty clear I'm not supposed to do, or do I do what the pretty redhead girl wants me to do? Well, um, anyway, what happened was I went and printed off directions from MapQuest to get to where I wanted to go, and you all remember MapQuest. Anyway, I went to Kansas City. And by the way, it ended well for me. Obviously, I married the girl, so... um, it went pretty well, but I did run a red light down there and all sorts of stress and didn't go well right then. But point is, I didn't have to be taught to disobey. I knew how to do that. Very well. Your kids, tell them not to climb on this. Don't touch that. Don't put that in your mouth. Some of you are thinking right now, my kids are trying to pick stuff off the floor. Like, it happens. Okay, And you don't have to teach them to disobey. They can do that quite naturally on their own. Instead, your job, moms, your job, dads, your job is much 
harder than that is to teach your child to obey their parents. That's difficult. That's, that's work. And grandparents, I want to urge you, help your kids out in this a little bit. I know being grandma and grandpa is fun, but help your kids out in this. Um, and the reason, the reason we do this is because in teaching your child to obey, you are teaching them how to submit themselves to authority. It's not just so that you can have an easier life and you can have your kids do your laundry for you. No, it's, it's bigger than that. Like you're teaching your children how to submit to authority. So essentially, in a lot of ways, because you are the highest earthly authority in your child's life, in a lot of ways you are God to them. Now, please don't hear me saying that you are God. That's not the point. I'm not blaspheming. No. I'm saying that you are the highest earthly authority that they have. And if they don't know how to submit to you, how do you think they're going to submit to their heavenly authority? How are they going to respond whenever they sit here? Oh, there's an authority higher than you. What am I supposed to do with that? If they don't know how to submit to authority, then they're not going to know how to respond to God. So, parents, we need to teach our children how to obey. Now, I'm not going to get into the practical side of how to do that because I'm still working on it myself. But teach your children how to obey. And since, I'm, since I mentioned grandparents a moment ago, help your kids out with this, please. I want to urge grandparents... Um, Please help them out. I know it's fun being the fun grandma, grandpa. I know that's fun. But do your best to, to teach your grandchildren even how to respect their highest earthly authority in their parents and how to obey their highest earthly authority in their parents. Okay? And I'll drop that and I'll let it go there. So children, obey your parents. Parents, teach your kids what is right. So first command we get here is that God commands obedience with limitations to lead to righteousness. Y'all track it with that. On the same page. Awesome. Let's go to the next one then. God commanded honor with a promise to lead to blessing. All right? Second command we get is that God commands honor with a promise to lead to blessing. Okay. Verse 2. He says, honor your father and mother. Again, not mind-blowing for most of you. Most of you know this. You know that this is here. Now, most of us have either heard honor your father and mother, we may have memorized it, we may have heard a sermon on what that means, I don't know, but this is one of the Ten Commandments, right? This is number five of ten. Um, most of you have probably recognized it. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Um, he's rehashing the commandments that were actually given back in Exodus chapter 20. The Ten Commandments are, is, are very important to what we're doing here. This is number five, honor your father and mother. And virtually all scholars, as they look at the Ten Commandments, recognize that there are, there's a division in the two. Um, there's a division in these two. That there is a, a vertical aspect to the Ten Commandments, and then there is a horizontal aspect to the Ten Commandments. And virtually all scholars agree on that, that there is a division. Some of them, if we could put these up here. Um, by the way, Steve found this this morning. Isn't this an awesome little graphic? I got a kick out of the You Shall Not Murder, and they have a pistol next to it. Um, Anyway, the Ten Commandments. Most of us recognize these, and most of us know that, like, number one, you shall have no other gods before me. That's a vertical commandment. Don't place anything you have higher than God. Right? That's a vertical commandment. Um, or if you jump down to number three, where it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That is a commandment that has to do with your vertical relationship with God. But then there's the horizontal aspect also. You go over to the right side there. You shall not murder, commit adultery, you shall not steal. Those are sins that you could commit against your fellow man. Right? I'll track it with that. Okay. 
Good. The primary debate on where the division on the have should be is the one we're talking about today. It's number five. This one right down here. Honor your father and mother. See, now most Christian scholars will agree that that goes with the latter half. It has to do with earthly relationships. Most Christian scholars agree on that. But a lot of Jewish scholars actually argue that it belongs in the first half. That it has to do with the vertical relationship. It has to do with how you interact with God. In other words, what they're saying is that, that the duty of honoring your father and mother has more to do with you and God than it does to do with you and your mother or your father. That's what they argue. Now, I'll just tell you, my preference would be to put it with the last half. I agree with most Christian scholars in that honoring your father and mother is a, a horizontal aspect. But, but that's not to dismiss the vertical aspect. Whenever we dishonor our father or our mother, we are breaking a vertical command that we have from God. We are disrespecting and disobeying God himself. Like, honor your father and mother. That's a duty you have towards God. He's commanded you to do that. Now, my preference would be to put it with the last half. I think it makes sense to say that command number one, have no other gods before me, has to do with the highest vertical authority you have. And then, if you jump down to number five, that has to do with the highest earthly or horizontal authority you have, which would be your parents. So, I think that that makes sense. Um, uh, Victor Hamilton, he's a guy who literally wrote the textbook on the first five books of the Bible. Okay, Literally wrote a textbook on it. He said this. He said the first four... First four commandments are vertical in their orientation and have to do with one's relationship to God. The last six are horizontal and deal with one's relationship to fellow human beings. Perhaps it is significant that the commandment about parents is the first in those horizontal dimension. There is a shift from creator to procreator. One's life is owed to both. I thought he said that really well. So what Paul here is saying is that we in our horizontal relationships, have a tremendous responsibility towards our parents in honoring our father and mother. Honor your father and mother. Literally what he says here is fix tremendous value. That's this word honor in the Greek. It means to fix tremendous value to. Fix tremendous value to your father and your mother. Because in many ways, as Hamilton wrote, your life is owed to both of them. And whenever we disobey our, our, or dishonor our parents... We are. We're dishonoring and disrespecting God himself because it's a command from him. Um, I think of it kind of like this. Um, if we could play that little clip. Y'all, I'm not coming back from that. Um, <laughs> I thought about not putting that in there because even as I watched it yesterday, I couldn't stop laughing. Uh, how many of y'all know Rod? Uh, how many of you made that made happy? Like, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, whew. I, you know, I don't make it every week for youth group, but I was so glad I was here that night. Because literally the whipped cream pie there was whipped cream on the ceiling. It was on the wall. It was 15 feet behind Rod in that video. Oh, it was so funny. Woo. Oh, it was great. Oh, it was so much fun. So why did I show that to you? Well, 
mostly because it makes me laugh, um, but partially because it's a good analogy. Um, when we dishonor and disrespect our parents, what we're essentially doing is throwing a pie in God's face. By the way, the best part about that illustration is that Rod's illustration that he was trying to use that for failed miserably. So uh, it went really great for me. Um, so anyway, it was a pie in the face to him. And whenever we dishonor our parents, essentially what we're saying is we're going to dishonor and disrespect God. That's what we're saying through our actions. But see, honor is different from just outright obedience. Y'all, I'm sorry. I'm still picturing the whipped cream. Um, Honor and obedience in some ways are the same. But honor's deeper, isn't it? So he says, obey your parents, but he's transitioned here to now say, honor your parents. Honor your father and mother. And those things are similar, but they're different at the same time. So, so honor is typically deeper than just flat obedience. Hamilton, again, since I'm already borrowed from him, he says, it is, however, easier to obey than to honor. One can hate but obey. One cannot both hate and honor. Y'all track that? You can hate, but you can obey. You can't hate and honor. Like, that's bigger. This He's built on it. Not only do children need to obey their parents, but all of us need to honor our father and mother. We all need to fix tremendous value to our highest earthly authority. And not just because God said so. He actually gives a reason here. Right? He gives us a reason. There's, he says there's a temporal benefit to this as well. He says this is the first command with a promise. Essentially what happens here is God could have just flat out commanded this, but he sweetens the pot a little bit. He says, I'll do you one better. God certainly could have said, honor your father and mother because I said so. But, but he says, do this so that, so that... It will go well with you. Now, what I want you to do, all of you who have been going to one of our small groups and we've been walking through this 2-7 series, we're talking about marking up your Bible. If you see so that, this is a word that you should be boxing in, circling, you should be doing something with this because it's showing you what's happening. Why do I obey my parents? So that. So that this will happen. Okay? You obey so that this is going to be true. He says, so that it may go well with you. Did you all know that God wants what's best for you? Like, actually wants what's best for you. What he commands is best for you. And this truth, this truth may sound simple, but it's life-altering. Like, it will change the way you view God's commands. Like, God isn't some tyrant who's sitting up there saying, just do it because I want to watch the puppets dance. He's doing it because it's good for you and he loves you. Like, that's why he commands what he commands. It's because he cares about you. Do this so that it may go well with you. Now, we live in the 21st century, right? So why should we, who have this tremendous cognitive ability, who have progressed to such an advanced state, subject ourselves to a moral code that comes from a book that's 2,000 years old, at least, and is so out of touch and so outdated and so far from the reality that we experience today? Do you all catch sarcasm in that? I sure hope so, or else you're going to think that I need to be fired. It's a lot of sarcasm, but that's what a lot of people feel about the Bible. Why? Why should we listen to what this book says? Why should we do what it says? Well, because it's the Word of God, and that God knows you, loves you, and wants what's best for you. Huh. That will change your life. Why is it so important to do what God said? Because it's the best way to live. 
it leads to the very best things you can possibly imagine. Actually, probably better than you can imagine. Like, this is the truth. The God who created you and loves you as a father loves his children, he commands you to do it because he wants what's best for you. Parents in the room, you tell your kids to do something, why do you tell them to do something? Because you want what's best for them. Same way. Same way. God, God's commands are there because he loves you and wants the very best things from you. Now, this command, so that it may go well with you, is uniquely tied to honoring your parents. Now, again, generally speaking, generally speaking, if you honor your parents, things will go well for you. That is a general rule, and I have no problem saying it because God said it. So, it will generally go well with you. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. It says, a righteous person acts with integrity. His children who come after him will be happy. Happy. General wisdom says, honor your father and mother and life's going to go well for you. It's there. Y'all love your kids? Live according to God's word. Teach them to obey God's commands and to honor their parents. And it will go well for them. That's God's general wisdom right here in his word. So, that's the first part, that it may go well with you. And the second part, he says, and that you may have long life in the land. Now, of course, in the context of Exodus and Deuteronomy, God is clearly talking about the promised land, right? The land that they were going to enter. Um, But here, Paul widens that out. He widens that out to say, you all, like you as the church, can experience God's promise. You can experience his provision by honoring your father and mother. And actually, whenever I thought about this, I, I read this, and my, just, my first assumption was that Paul was saying you in the plural. He's saying y'all are going to have a good long life, and y'all are going to enter the land. It's not. It's in the singular. There's something very specific and very personal about what he wrote here. You, as an individual, you, each person, can experience the goodness of God as you honor your father and mother. That is an awesome promise. And that is incredibly applicable now. Now again, I understand that there are people who have honored their father and mother and things have not gone well for them. I know that that's true. But as a general rule, general wisdom says, honor your father and mother and things will go well for you. Okay? All right. So, God commands obedience with limitations to lead to righteousness. Commands honor with a promise to lead to blessing. So what? So today, all of you, on today, of all days... Honor your parents, specifically your mother. Like, honor your mom. Even if you're an adult, honor your mom. And even, okay, I, I love this. This was something I heard from somebody else, so I didn't, I didn't come up with this on my own. I don't know who to credit it to. But even if you don't do it for her sake or for your sake, do it for God's sake, right? Because God commanded it, so do it because God commanded it. Even if you don't do it because, well, I really want to honor my mom, or, you know what, I'll take the blessing, you know what, I'll forego the blessing so I don't have to honor my mom. No, do it because God commanded it. Okay, just, just like, honor your father and mother on today, okay? God commands that we honor our father and mother and promises good things when we do. So, fathers, you're not going to get off the hook even though it's Mother's Day. Fathers, teach your children to honor their mother. Teach your children to honor their mother. Um, I have to admit, this is something I've been working on with my own kids. um, Teaching my own kids to honor and obey their mother. Um, I wish they weren't in the room so I could talk about them a little more freely. But um, essentially what I've tried to teach my kids is that whenever they disrespect or disobey their mother, they're disrespecting and disobeying me. That it's 
also their father because we're in this together. And I love their mom, and she is the most important person in the world to me. So whenever they dishonor or disrespect her, they're doing the same to me. Um, And even more than that, because she is one of the highest earthly authorities that they have, they are dishonoring and disrespecting God. And I've tried to teach that to my kids. So fathers in the room... Teach your children to honor and obey their mother because this is right. It's what God's word says. Now mothers. All right. Talk to kids for a long time. Talk to fathers briefly. Now mothers. I got two things for you. Two things, mothers, today. First of all, thanks for being awesome. Um, I can say that, and I'm not just saying that just because I want you to feel good. I'm saying that also because I've had the privilege of having the greatest moms in my life. Like, I I sincerely mean that. Now, I know Mother's Day is not always a happy day for everybody. I know that some people have struggled with loss, or maybe they didn't have a good relationship with their mother. Or I, I know that there's a whole lot of scenarios. But the moms in this room and the moms that I've had in my life have been awesome. So I can't do anything other than say thank you for being great moms. Um... I just, I don't know how to do more than that, than to just say thank you. Um, You know, my mom, my wife, my grandmother, my mother-in-law, I have nothing bad to say about any of them. Um, Now, I should also make it clear that each one of those women that I just listed are drastically different. I don't believe that being a good mom means that you have to be this cookie-cutter picture. I don't think that's true either. But I do think... I do think that to be a good mom, what you do is you want the very best for your kids, and you know that the very best is for them to come to know the grace of God in Jesus. And you strive with everything you have to build them up in the Lord. I think that's what it means to be a good parent, not just a good mom. So I want to thank you ladies who are here, who know Jesus, who are trying to teach your children to follow Jesus. I want to say thank you for being awesome. Okay? It's the first thing I have to say. Second thing um, is I want to challenge you just a little bit. Um, Mothers, grandmothers, I want to challenge you a little bit. You know this, but I want to encourage you to do everything you can to raise your children up in the way they should go. I, I want to encourage you and urge you to raise up godly offspring. That's no small thing. Like a lot of times I know, um, I know from watching mothers close to me that it can be very discouraging watching your kids. I know that it can be hard. I know that it can be stressful. I know it can be difficult. At times you want to rip your hair out. I know all of those things. So what I want to do is I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you and challenge you to see what God sees. To see that raising up godly offspring is no small thing. The every day in the mundane where you're taking care of your kids, whether your kids are in diapers and you're changing dirty diapers, or your children are adults and you're still trying to teach them to go the right way, even when they don't want to go that way. There is very few, there are very few things that you could possibly do with your life that are going to be more significant than impacting that next generation, than raising up godly offspring. You know, there's a lot of things that I can't do. A lot of things I can't do. Um... One of those things is to reach millions of people. I, I, don't, I can't. Not like that. God can. I believe that. But I can't. But one of the awesome things about being a parent is, as you raise up godly offspring, and they go out, and you continue to make disciples of all nations, and then they go out, and then your grandchildren go out, and you see this snowball effect, and eventually people hear the gospel because you raised up godly offspring. 
Raise them up in the way they should go. There is very, very little you could do that is more significant than that. Raise up godly children. It's a great calling that God has given to you. So, teach your children to obey and to honor their parents. But even more, I want to urge you to teach your children to know and to love Jesus. Because nothing in this world is more important than knowing him. So, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, I, I thank you for this time in your word. I thank you for the mothers that we have. I thank you... Uh, that you didn't just say, well, good luck living life on your own, but instead you've shown us through your word how to live. Father, I pray that we would take this word seriously, uh, whether we are children who are still under our parents' authority, or we are parents ourselves, or we hope to be parents someday, or we're grandparents and our children are grown. Father, I pray that we would see this word. We would want to obey you as we teach our children the way they should go, as we obey our parents, as we honor our father and mother, Lord, and I pray that you would be honored as we do this. God, and I pray that you would teach us, because apart from your Holy Spirit living and moving in us, uh, Lord, we don't stand a chance. So, Lord, I pray that you would guide us and direct us, that you would teach us, that you would love us, and that you would cause that, that love to pour out of us to those around us, including our highest earthly authorities, our most significant human relationships. God, I pray that you would be glorified through our lives. Lord, as we, as we prepare to go our separate ways, I pray that especially on today, on Mother's Day, that we would honor our mothers. Lord, and I pray that as we do, you would be honored in it. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.